Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the biggest stories in European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On this new season Old Guard episode, PSG and the best of the rest in France's Ligue 1, Bayern and the best of the rest in Germany's Bundesliga, and Barcelona, Real Madrid, and the best of the rest in Spain's La Liga. Welcome to our new home on the Football Ramble feed. And if you're a new listener... Here's a hint of what we're all about. Every week, we drill down into three stories from the continent with the best European football journalist, and we get uh, to as many of your questions as possible. We always have space for a bit of dessert as well. A A game of the week from both Andy and our third host with a local food recommendation to go with it. Sandy, let's start with Ligue 1. After all the issues that PSG had last season, after parting ways with uh, their coach, of course, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, and bringing in a new coach in Christophe Galtier, who has got a track record in France, of course. He's won uh, the the title uh, there, and he's also, as well, you know, got a track record uh, with uh, varying clubs, at least two different clubs in France, hasn't he? What difference would he make to PSG on the pitch? I think we've seen a difference already. And as far as Ligue 1 goes, I think that's going to be your first and last Pochettino mention of the season. So we had to we had to allow you that in the, in the handover, didn't we? I, I think it's already uh, a happier place. I think Pochettino was a victim of circumstance in, in many ways. It was the wrong project at the wrong time and he was the wrong coach for it, um, as, as we've discussed before. Now, Galtier, I would not be surprised if there was a little bit of envy from Pochettino's side because he could look at that and think, this new project where they're talking about becoming more French, moving away from superstars as far as is possible, obviously, because Messi and Neymar aren't going anywhere in a, in, in a rush and they've re-signed Mbappe. But this idea of this new more French, more organic, Mbappe-led project is something that would have been quite suited to Pochettino. But Galtier is ideal, really, I think, for the for the changeover because, as you said, incredible track record in, in France. Just to reiterate, as well as um, being an assistant coach uh, at Lyon um, where, where the, when they were title winners, um, he took over at local rival Saint-Étienne, took them out of the gutter into Europe and uh, in, into silverware, and then at Lille, took over a Lille team that was 
heading for relegation under Marcelo Bielsa with Bielsa's players and saved them from relegation, got them in the Champions League and got them to win the title, which, you know, we, we've, we've said it before, but it's worth repeating because it's an extraordinary achievement. And that's why Nice last season were willing to double his wages to take him to the Cote d'Azur. Now, for lots of reasons, partly to do with his braceness, that didn't quite work out. And then there was the offer from PSG, which really suited him. Uh, and and them so much as the timing was bad for Pochettino, it was good for Galtier. Now we've seen something already in 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 terms of a change. Um, firstly, I, I think it fits with the mood of the club because they've started to bring in the players they need rather than superstars. I think the first signing, Vitinha from Porto, who is someone who never really loses the ball, who can be a locum for Verratti or play next to him. You look at the Trophy des Champions, their um, Community Shield equivalent last week where they beat Nantes 4-0. They're very impressive. And the pairing of Vitinha and Verratti was spectacular. It was really good. Um, Vitinha's economy on the ball really allowed Verratti off the leash a little bit. And Neymar and Messi's pre-seasons have been really, really encouraging. Um, really exciting from both of them. It's going to add a lot, I think, as initial groundwork that Galtier has. And you can use those players as examples um, to, to say, you know, this is, you know, this is a benchmark what we want. This is, look, look, these guys are, are putting in that amount of effort. These guys are putting in that amount of energy and it should lift everybody around them. But it's not surprising. Look, these guys are extremely professional. You know, everybody knows Messi and his desire to succeed. And I think Neymar sometimes get a little, gets a little bit lost. It gets a little bit, you know, it's it's underrated. You know, I always remember his time at Barcelona and people eulogised about him. No one disliked Neymar, Barcelona. Young players, old players, um, you know, they, they everyone loved him. The managers, the coaches, they loved him as well. He never rubbed anybody the wrong way in terms of being lazy or anything like that. It's never been the issue with him, um, I don't think. And his hard work, I think, can be a, a shining example for a lot of people. I think if you look across the dressing room and you see a guy like Neymar um, and, and Mbappe as well, both really, really going to the wall for the team, then you're like, OK, well, I better do it if they're doing it, if the superstars are doing it. And I think there's potentially a really nice mix there. And um, I think you can't ignore the... Luis Campos factor here and like you say you know imagine Pochettino uh, if he had perhaps had him his guidance you know the way that he's steered through this transfer market I think signing young French players but you know like you say also about Vitinha as well which is a good move he brought in Renato Sanchez as well mm. there's just there's something really really nice there and, and PSG something that's always rankled with me is the lack of attention to detail they've played with they faced with their midfield I always think it's been Verratti out in his own sometimes and um, in the key games when if he's ever been out suspended because he gets suspended a lot because he still racks up yellow cards um, PSG have been really really found wanting and I think Vitini is the ideal player to to kind of bridge that gap that, that they had um, there I think when it comes to going up a next level in the Champions League because the Champions League remains the ultimate goal of course for PSG but this is Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe's team. Yes, it's so in so many ways. You, you've allowed one of your star players to be the team um, spirit or whatever it might be. How, how do Neymar and Messi fit into that? Nevertheless, Fair I think enough. that that is that is the thing. I think ideologically, it's a big difference because the early signs are good, as I said, because they're both motivated by the World Cup, which for both of them as our friend Tim Vickery would remind us, it's a career-defining World Cup for both of these guys. And it's only six months away. So whatever happens next, they need to give everything in this next little while. Now, I know there's also been the suggestion, and we can't really know the answer to this, with a mid-season World Cup or European mid-season World Cup, what sort of nick will these players come back in in the second half of the season? And there's been the suggestion that once, you know, Neymar and uh, and Messi have have been to the top of Everest. Maybe it'll be all downhill in the second half of the season. I think what's interesting, David, and I, I, I want to get David's take on this in a minute, actually. Um, but before before we before we go back to, to 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 Messi and Neymar, I think talking as you were about Mbappe being a, a leader, I think his signings like Renato Sanchez is is really helpful i think you know a young player who's still a young player only 25 has been brilliant in france and could add that dynamism that david was talking about in midfield but i think you look at ekatike for the future who will give something different to that that front three 
and take a bit of the pressure off off Messi and Neymar. And at the back, Nordi Mukiele, a sort of do-everything defender yeah. who's super athletic, young French, wants to get into that France squad. But talking about the second half of the season, David, and going to Messi, I think what's interesting is this little carrot that's in the distance for him that Xavi might want to bring him back for a curtain call at Barcelona. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Gosh, really? I, I, th- I think that is the carrot that makes him have a, his greatest season in a while. I think I'm absolutely certain he'll have this one more year with PSG and then he'll return to Barcelona. I think the project of Barcelona is kind of changing in terms of, you know, especially with Xavi at the helm. And um, I think that'll appeal to Messi. He probably feels it's like it's somewhere he can go back um, and play out the next couple of years and, and kind of be a big, you know, father figure to some of the younger players like Pedri and Gavi and, and, and Ansu Fati and Well he never he never, he never got his proper ending. Yeah, he? exactly. He didn't he didn't get a proper goodbye really, I think, and he'll want that as well. And I, I just can't see him some uh, can't see him as somebody who would be satisfied with just leaving things as they are. There's definitely another chapter there I think to open with Barcelona. Um but that doesn't mean I think he'll down tools at PSG, far from it. I think he'll want to make this a success. Um and I think, you know, imagine he could say that he went to PSG as well and, and, and helped them deliver, uh, helped deliver them a Champions League under the league on title as well um, in a World Cup year. So it could be a really, really nice sign off for him in that sense. We will get onto La Liga very shortly and onto Barcelona and Real Madrid and all the other runners and riders there. But I'll tell you what some of our listeners are interested in, with regards to um, League 1, at least. And by the way, you can get in touch with us at any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, or at David Jacker, J-A-C-A there. This from James. And you've already mentioned with Renato Sanchez about the midfield situation for PSG. But let's get into that a little bit deeper, though. James asks on Twitter, how are PSG going to line up in midfield after all the changes there this season? You see, I would have thought the most logical way to do it is Verratti, Vitinha, Renato Sanchez in a 4-3-3. When you've got um, Mbappe, Messi and Neymar all available. And... The reason why those extra legs are so important, I'm thinking particularly of Renato Sanchez there, that front three is not going to defend much. But I think what's interesting is the way that they lined up under Gaultier in the Trophée des Champions against Nantes, in, in which they played really well, with a really pleasing intensity. They played with three at the back. Now, that really suits the wing-backs in Hakimi and Nuno Mensch on mm. the other side. And then you've only got two in the middle. And that goes back to what David was talking about and what we've both been talking about, not relying on Verratti too much. Now, the plus for them, and it's not a plus for him, obviously, is that Verratti's got no World Cup. So you should be able to... He's got that nice little mid-season break, which for someone who gets injured and suspended a lot is, is, is probably quite handy. But the fact that they don't have to... Say if they're playing... Lorient at five thirty on a on a Saturday afternoon before they've 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 got a Champions League game. Leave Verratti out, play Vitinha, play Renato Sanchez next to him. Works, David. I could see more of a four. I like I like what Andy said. I could also see a four two three one as well with Vitinha and Verratti in a pivot, Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar in the three, and then Ekakidia up front on his own. But that's. Incredibly All right, attacking. Nuggles, man. <laughs> cool. that, is, that is incredibly attacking, I know. And and perhaps Gaultier will have, you know, he is Mr. Discipline. You know, he probably, you know, he might not take the reins off that much, but I think it's an option there. I know it's some, somewhat disrespectful, but we are assuming that PSG are going to walk over League 1, EN. Uh, Ian, I was just speaking Swedish then. <laughs> Sorry, let's come back. Uh, they're gonna Swedish section's next. <laughs> Apologies. And, and funny enough, f- uh, Swedish king Bernadotte is his surname, so they're French. Swedish right. king is French. Yeah, Sweden didn't have a king, you see. And so they went to France to look for somebody who was like a duke or something that could be uh, uh, king of Sweden. Just to show you that there's always a method in this madness. But... On a serious note, we're assuming that PSG are going to walk all over League 1 again. Is that disrespectful to teams like Marseille and Lyon, who are also runners and riders? Um, 
they're runners and riders for second and third place. I think. <laughs> I, I, I think. <laughs> You know, you look at the, the the coach and the domestic success he's had, Galtier, and the squad, and the fact that they've actually signed the players they need rather than the players who will sell shirts. They're enormous favourites. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, uh, and of course, because it's a particularly intense first half of the season, like all the Champions League group stage games are over by November 7, you're looking at the teams with the best squads who are going to be able to ride that out. Mm. And they fall into that category now. I don't think they necessarily did in midfield before, but they definitely do now. Um, Marseille are an interesting one. There is trouble brewing there. And it's weird that a club sees Jorge Sampaoli leave and then becomes more on a knife edge. I I find that extraordinary, really. they, They just simmered under Sampaoli, I thought. At times, it did look a bit explosive at the start, but I think eventually it simmered. The fans loved him. Yeah, the fans were really happy. The players eventually came around. He didn't really have that many flare-ups one-to-one, whereas Tudor's come in, and this summer has just been crazy. If You're talking about runners and riders. If they are a rider, their horse has bolted. The rider is hanging on you know, for dear, dear life right now. That is pretty much what Mars is. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's funny, actually, because you're right. Sam Pauli only fell out with a few individuals, whereas if you're writing a press release in favour of Igor Tudor, he's united the squad. Because uh, none of them particularly believe in what he's doing. And already this week, after they lost at home... To, to Milan in a rerun of the in a friendly that was a rerun of the 1993 um, Champions League final which is very dear to their heart in front of a full velodrome Marseille were terrible they got walked all over by by Milan in that and afterwards there've been a lot of players leaking to the press that they're not happy with mm. Tudor's methods um, that I think he's unreasonable and not just to the press to the to the ownership as well yeah that's that, that's that's right and uh, they had a meeting with Tudor this week to try and all get on the same page um, which when they've not even played a league game yeah. yet mm. crisis talks a couple of days before before when you haven't even kicked the ball yet and it I, is incredible, I think. It, it, it really is. And, of course, the, the the big deal is that they've lost Saliba, who went back to Arsenal, who's brilliant for them last season, William Saliba. And they've lost uh, Bubakar Kamara, the defensive midfield pivot and, and didn't to, they to Villa. I think he's he's going to be the biggest loss for me, I think. Didn't, I, I yeah, think defensively, they look extremely... Didn't yeah. Tudor lose his assistant manager as well? Well, that's an interesting use of the word ver- verb lose. <laughs> <laughs> got got rid of. I mean, it was, it was funny because he claimed that it was only a, a, a short-term appointment to help handover. That's been the line that the club are doing. Ba- basically, uh, Mauro Camaronesi, fa- famous World Cup winner, Mauro Camaronesi, came along as his assistant, really didn't like the way that Tudor spoke to him yeah. um, over, over the space I, of a week. I mean, and, and he went... There's there's short term and there's crashing on your mate's couch for a few nights, <laughs> and I think that's literally where it was for Cameron Nasi. And yeah, just going back to that crisis meeting as well. I was I was looking at Longoria's words, and again, I think for a for your present, your club, we're saying there is a, there is the club, there is the coach, and then, then there are the players. Yesterday, we reminded the players of all these things. <laughs> Those are very, very strong words already. I mean, if it was mid-season, ten games, you've lost eight of them, and he was coming out of that, I'd be like. Right, okay, fair enough. I, th- I Come think on. we talk about the Champions League for, for PSG. The only men's Champions League winners in French history, Marseille, of oh, course, in 1990. Marseille fans are going to love you for we're, saying we're ta- this. We were talking about before. Now, now the, the fact is, this is a competition that's very dear to them. They realise that they're not going to go and win it. But when the bottom fell out of the Andre Villas Boas regime, is basically when he couldn't keep it together in the Champions League and that they made a right old mess of the group stage. And that saw the whole morale of the club, of the support, absolutely plummet. And it was difficult for him to come back from that. And ultimately, he didn't. Now, Tudor, you could argue, is on a hiding to nothing anyway because of the position he is. I have a bad start to the Champions League campaign. I think that puts a massive dent in their season. And in terms of Champions League spots because of course only top three qualify in France it's a great opportunity for Lyon who don't have any European mm-hmm. football and will be able to to, to to rotate and actually actually train which you know most most clubs that won't have the chance to do that in the first part of the season I think the other one to look at are Rennes who, who play fantastic football of course reinforce their 
defence. Joe Rodon's gone there. Um, Tiate's gone there as, as 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 well. And they've still got all their fantastic attacking players. And yesterday, as we are recording now on a Thursday, we heard the news uh, that Kasper Schmeichel is off to Nice. What's that about? He left Leicester for Nice. You see, when you put it like that, it sounds like a lovely holiday, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially when you're 35 years of age. I, I think it's quite an understandable move. It's a move that has been in the making for a while because, of course, uh, Ineos, led by Jim Ratcliffe, have owned the club for a, a few years now. Dave Brailsford has been appointed to a, a, a management position. He was behind the signing of Aaron Ramsey. We'll see how that's turned out because it turns out because it's a very physical league and obviously Ramsey hasn't had a great fitness record in, in recent years. Schmeichel, on the other hand, I think is a very astute signing because they have a number two goalkeeper who they very strongly believe in, uh, Martin Bulka, who they loaned from PSG last season where he's fourth choice. And then he made the saves in the Coupe de France penalty shootout that knocked PSG, his parent club, out of the competition. They think it's a bit too soon for him. And so they would like um, an older goalkeeper. And let's face it, Schmeichel is still not far from the peak of his powers, who is an upgrade um, in the goalkeeper position and who Bulka can can learn off. So it makes a, a lot of sense. There's a lot of conflict behind the scenes at the club last season between the aforementioned Gautier and Julian Fournier, the former sporting director, who's, who, who's now gone as well. Nice have always built on young players you know they've got a relatively new stadium beautiful training facility that was built when Patrick Vieira was still there as as, as coach and Vieira was great at bringing through young players there what they've decided they need and what Brailsford has decided they need is more experienced players to lead those young players so they've already got Dante and now you add Schmeichel and Ramsey to that and who knows maybe Ramsey's valuable even if he doesn't play that much Allez les Anglais in Nice Ronaldo si gira con un tunnel per Ramsey Ramsey guarda la porta tira deviato gol 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 Let's take a look at the Bundesliga. Sorry, I was just thinking about how you described uh, Aaron Ramsey as an Englishman. I love that. (laughs) You go on, you go on. At Dot Nadabio, people. At Dot Nadabio. Yes, indeed. Let's take that back and talk about the Bundesliga, where there's been, you know, some major changes there, particularly with, of course, the top team. which Bayern Munich, I suppose, are the team that normally you'd expect to win the Bundesliga. And of course, it's a new era, David, for Bayern Munich, isn't it? A new era. Lewandowski, we heard a lot last season about, you know, will he stay, will he go? Eventually went to Barcelona, of course. But this is a long-time player, and an iconic player for the team. Yep. How, how, how will they feel it? Um, and will Sergio Mane, for example, mm. replace Lewandowski? Is a question that a lot of people will be thinking. Yeah, of course it is. It's, you know, it's sad in a way, disappointing in one way to you know to see Lewandowski go. But at the same time, I think it's immensely, immensely exciting to see Bayern bring in a whole load of new signings to continue on this new era to really back their very, very highly rated um, and equally as exciting coach in Nagelsmann as well. Um, there's been a lot of change even outside of the forward positions. Um, and yeah, I think they're going to be really, really entertaining to watch next season. I think there's a multitude of things that they can do in attack. I think, you know, you could, there's all the talk of Mane potentially being the nine, but I think when you look at it, there's, you know, Sané could play there as well. And I think they've got other players, you know, to, you know, they've brought in Tal as well. They've just got a lot of options, I think, for, for that particular role. And I think it's quite overblown how much they are going to miss him. I think they're going to manage quite fine. But I'm I'm really, really confident on buying this season. I could honestly see them winning the lot. Well-run club, of course, when you talk about Bayern. There's yes. been changes in, in the administration as well, hasn't there? Yeah, there has. So we're post-Hernes, we're post-Rumenigger now. And Oliver Kahn's the CEO and he's, he's, he's running the show with a sporting director in tow, uh, Hassan Salahamajic, who doesn't exactly unify opinion behind him. You know, there are some people who think he's really not up to the job. I think in the club as well as outside the club. So it's a big season for for, for both of them. Um, I, I think the way that they dealt 
with the Lewandowski thing is is, is quite interesting because um, that was something they were all pretty firm on at the beginning of summer that we're not going to let him go. We're going to hold him to the last year of his contract like Dortmund did before he came to Bayern. And then they, they, they changed their minds. And I think there was always a bit of scope for them to change their minds because we've talked about it before. They were always facing this summer of reckoning, really, in the Neuer, Muller, Gnabry and Lewandowski all out of contract in 2023. So they needed to sort it all out this summer. Neuer signed again. Muller signed again. Gnabry eventually signed again. Now, what was the genesis of Lewandowski digging his heels in and saying, I need to go? Is Bayern offering him a year's extension at the same money? And he wasn't happy with that at all. And, you know, with elite level footballers, it's never really about the money per se. It's about the respect. I think it's just, yeah, I I completely get what he's saying. I just think it was astute by Bayern to to offer that contract as well. They don't know when his drop-off is going to occur. They've also got a lot of very, very exciting young players who are wanting to take the next step up. I think next season allows them to do that. And that's why I think Bayern are comfortable you see i i wouldn't have agreed with you like probably two months ago mm-hmm. but the, i think it was the bit that the, the bit where the penny dropped for me was when he signed for barcelona and it was a four-year contract and mm-hmm. you're like, yeah oh god he's going to be nearly 38 by then and and goodness knows what sort of yeah. form he's going to be in by then and Bayern have played paid big wages you know yeah. that has been their thing to pay big wages rather than big fees yeah. but they've also been quite clear and we saw it when tony Kroos got squeezed out before when david alaba left mm-hmm. There is a limit for them. Not everyone can get paid to the level that they yeah. want. And if you do pay everyone to the level they want, or above, you end up like Barcelona. Yeah. And Bayern are, n- are never going to do that. Now, I think the other thing, when you were talking about all the options that they've got going forward, mm-hmm. David, and I came into this summer <clears throat> wanting to fix the defence. And I, I think you look at the amount they paid for Delicht, the second most expensive player in the history of the club. Yeah. That is meeting Nagelsmann's needs and wants. Uh, absolutely. But I think by default the exit of Lewandowski also meets his needs and wants to a, a certain extent because he's very comfortable so playing be. without a proper nine. Yeah. I think that is maybe Gnabry, who they've decided is, what, seven years younger than Lewandowski. They want to bet the farm on him, which mm. I I think is reasonable. Now, you look at the way they went at it in the Super Cup. They played a 4-4-2 with Gnabry and Mane as the two. Mm-hmm. But I think you can play a three with Mane out left, Coman or whoever else on, on, on the other side, and then Gnabry in the middle. He yeah. looks he looks great as a centre forward. You look at his goal scoring record for Germany, it's 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 extraordinary. They've got so many options, as you say as you say there. And then you look even you can include Jamal Musiala, still only nineteen, mm-hmm. as part of that front three, played this sort of left role cutting in in the four four two against Leipzig in the Super Cup. And there, he was brilliant. He was man of the match, by the way. And I think there were so many options there. Do you remember when Gonzalo Higuain left? I wrote this in my Guardian column, actually. You remember when Gonzalo Higuain left Napoli in 2016? Come off a 36-goal season in Serie A. And they're like, where are they going to find the goals? Next season, post-Higuain, they scored 14 more goals in Serie A than they did with Higuain. They scored 94 goals in 16-17. I can see Bayern sort of going in the same direction. I think the only question is not just fixing the defence itself, because obviously they're moving on from Boateng and Alaba. They need to fix what's in front of it because Nagelsmann was being prodded through most of last season by journalists saying and pundits saying you've got one too many attacking players in your midfield. I mean, it was like they're managed by David, really. (laughs) Uh, And the, the question is... Does Nagelsmann row back and be a bit more sensible when it gets to the back end of the Champions? I think probably not. To be perfectly no, honest, I would. I would neither. But, I think, but, well, that's not going to surprise you. But but, but, but but does it does it work? Do they need to protect that back four a little bit more? Because you think of how they got caught out in a tie that. Well, a second leg, definitely, that they should have won against Villarreal, for example, last season. That's all it was. That game was what missed chances. I think they missed a lot of chances that game. That, mm. that, that, that tie should have been completely, you know, open and shut for them. But they missed a lot of chances. I think now they get a lot, they've get they got a lot of options in terms of who can score goals, who can create as well. Um, I did read that as well. That this he, is like Keegan's Newcastle. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the North East influence. Come on. <laughs> it's funny. I did read he was apparently, he apparently told the squad he was going to switch between 3-5-2 and 4-2-2-2 this season. Oh, very Leipzig. Ooh. Yeah. 
which would be, I think, really, really interesting. And of course, if you remember, Sané took on a new role last season and this these two formations kind of suit him because you could see him playing as a 10 in one of them, but you also see him playing as a striker, maybe a left-sided forward, an old-school like left-sided winger forward in the other formation. And again, there's a variety of options there and I think that is that makes it what's, that's what's so exciting if something isn't working. But as long, and I always get this with coaches of the Nagelsmann ilk and we've seen it with Pep Guardiola as well in the Champions League I think the past few years sometimes they can overcomplicate things and sometimes they can try too many different things when sometimes they just need to set on one particular thing play to yeah. their strengths with that because it confuses the players obviously fans get very confused but confuses the players as well and that's how you end up slipping up in games uh, I suppose the headline will be what difference does it make whether or not Bayern will be able to step up again when it comes to the Champions League mm-hmm. what difference the absence of Lewandowski will make in the new mm-hmm. uh, regime but we shouldn't be at the risk of comparing Bayern to PSG we shouldn't forget that there is some real competition for the Bundesliga for Bayern from Dortmund from Leverkusen from Leipzig for example mm-hmm. What are their chances now with this new regime? It, it feels to me that if, if ever there's going to be a moment that buy and slip, it's under under new management because they were so structurally solid. And the stability has never really come from what's on the pitch, what's on the bench. It's been further up. So if there is an opportunity for others, maybe this could be it. What has always been clear in the last 10 years, and of course Bayern have won 10 successive titles, is that the competition hasn't been up to mustard. It's not just been about Bayern. If they've had a little slip, no one's been able to take advantage. Now, you go back a couple of years, Dortmund were close and couldn't quite get it under the line, under Lucien Favre, finishing two points behind. But, you know, there have been a lot of double-digit title wins in that case for, for, for Bayern. So it's really about the competition getting it right. I think if you look at Dortmund's transfer window, there's a really, there's been a really good feeling around the club. Although the, the, that transfer window is predicated on them letting Holland go to Man City. Yes, it, it, it is, and th- but they knew that was coming. They, they always knew that was coming this summer because of the clause kicking in, and and they were fine with that. So th- they addressed all their a- areas of need very very quickly. Um, so they get in Niklas Zula, Nico Schlotterbeck, uh, you know, who could be the Germany centre back partnership going forward. They get the defensive midfielder we, they needed in Sally Özcan, a very good price from, from Köln. And we talked about that in regards to Bayern, how important that is protecting the defence. Getting Karim Adeyemi, who's going to be a superstar for Germany going forward. And they get Sebastian Aller. Now, th- th- this has really changed things because I think you, you've, you look at the feeling around Dortmund, Edin Terzic comes back as coach as well. They feel like they're in a really good place. Terzic, very popular with the with the players, plays more Dortmundy football um, than they have been recently. It was all a bit clunky under Marco Rosa. And then, of course, Haller, after his first day of training, feels a bit unwell. It turns out he's got testicular cancer. Now, when we're talking about this, the most important thing, of course, is that he's had surgery, he's going to have chemotherapy, he's got a great chance of recovery, we, we hear, and um, the most important thing is that he comes back to health. The fact is they are going to miss him as a player, not just because, and he's going to be out for several months, not just because he's a very good player in a very good place, of course he was great for Ajax last mm. season, if you look at players who scored over five goals in the Champions League and he got, what, 11-12 in the Champions League, goals per minute better than anyone else better than anyone else you can name out there yeah West Ham fans will be delighted to hear that uh, they they will be <laughs> well West Ham never were in the Champions League so maybe they never saw him in his position of strength anyway the thing about Alain it's not just the goals in a way no one's arguing he's as good as Holland as like a goal scorer or an athlete or anything like that in terms of what Dortmund actually need I think he might have been more bespoke because he is a player who's also excellent at linking play, at holding it up. And to bring players like Marco Royce, to bring Adeyemi into it, all those players, Yusuf and Makoko, is absolutely ideal. They're going to have to wait for that bit of him, probably till the second half of the season, all, all, all things being good, and we wish him all the best. In the meantime, now, they're going to have to go and get short-term replacement. 
which is a little bit tricky. Now, you look at some of the names. I think Anthony Modeste is a sensible one, yeah. who had a great season last season for, for Köln. Edinson Cavani as a free agent. Now, if you think, okay, you think he's free, he's not as good as he used to be, he's in his mid-30s, he also is still capable of pressing like a demon. Which yeah. I, I th- I Cavani's think the one I would go for out of all, yeah? out of all those. Yeah, yeah. And if there's been con- apparently there's been contact between the two. So I think that would be the best move for them. It's a shame because, like you say, they've had such a fantastic summer. They had five of their main signings all done before the 30th of May. So it's you incredible, know, they're right? key players as well. And, you know, I think it was actually more because I think they got Alex Meyer as well. And then, you know, so they had six all sorted <laughs> before the 30th of May where you see other clubs are going on in, in sagas with with different players here and there. So for them to have that, I think, is always really, really important because then you know which players you're working with, you know who's staying at the club, you know who's going. Um, so this has been a massive blow in terms of derailing them and how they react to that will obviously have a big say on, on their season, season and how they challenge Bayern. Lewandowski! Ha segnato tre gol in quattro minuti! Tre gol in quattro minuti per questo fenomeno con la maglia numero nove! conversation that we've been having today it it does seem as if the the transfer window this summer's transfer window is going to define uh, the season for many of the leagues that we cover and I should imagine that's the case as well when we look at La Liga this question from Holty on Instagram are you looking for more of the same when it comes to Real Madrid or Barca this season I think it's going to be more of the same. I really do. I think consistency, familiarity are really underrated and Real Madrid have it in absolute stacks. I think the fact that they've got a really, really settled squad there, they've added, I think, I think really, really well with Rudiger and Chouameni, um, two players ideal for the way that they play. 
Um, it, it they look stronger than they did last season. Um, there's also uh, this potential of Ed Nazard recapturing his former self as well. Which are, you, are you hopeful for that? I'm hopeful for it every year because he's that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, but yeah, yeah, the signs are always positive. He looks in good shape. Um, he seems, you know, he seems ready for the new season. You know, the the signs are good there. The, the words are positive coming out of the club, it seems to be as well. So, has he still got the mojo? I think he has. Yeah, yeah. I think he has. I think, you know, with this all this downtime that he's had, he's probably had time to reflect and said, right, you know, I need to make a, a go of this. And I don't think. You know, if if it doesn't work out this season, then it'll probably be like, he'll follow the likes of Bale and Isco, who, who, you know, and you look at the way that they their careers at Real Madrid ended, really, really flat, really, really subdued after initial exciting moments, um, and I don't think Azad really wants that. You know, Azad hasn't actually even had his exciting moment. His, his no, you know, at Real Madrid, so it could still be to come, or it might not, and it might go down as one of the biggest transfer flops in history. I'm, I'm hopeful for him. I, I think you can read too much into players and teams pre-seasons, mm-hmm. but I, I think what we can't be in any doubt over, Eden Hazard has had probably his best pre-season yeah. ever yeah. because he's someone who's notoriously not the most dedicated trainer, whereas that, that, that has been different this time around because he realises he's got a mountain to climb to get anywhere yeah. near that 11 and to, to get close to his best he's, he's pain free mm-hmm. he believes in his body um, Ancelotti it seems is keen to use him to cover Benzema on occasion as, as, as well as centre forward and you know we've seen at a, a Lille and to a lesser extent Chelsea Hazard is a very very accomplished centre forward yeah. as well it does seem as if it's Barcelona, though, that have done most of the business during this transfer yeah. window. We mentioned Lewandowski already, but you could sort of write down the list of the great stars that seem to be attracted mm-hmm. to going to Barcelona this season. What difference will it make for them? Yeah, rightly or wrongly, they have been the club that everyone's talking about this summer. They've been absolute the headline act. Um, you know, not all positive. I think a lot of it negative. So it kind of gets lost what's happening on the pitch. They've had a fairly successful preseason, won three of their five friendlies. Seems to be the direction, you know, that they're heading in is the right one, the one what Javi wants as well. They're probably still not finished in the transfer market either, so there could still be a few more arrivals. There could also be some depart- big departures as well. But I think from the point of view of actually watching them on the pitch, I think it's becoming more and more clear what Javi wants. Uh, what Xavi needs and you know and what they will do and what style they'll continue to play so again that number of changes is always exciting I think you know the the big refresh that they've had especially in attack as well with Rafinha and Lewandowski and there's always a sense as well we're talking about Azard and how he potentially might step up there's also that potential of whether Usman Dembele as well will will really really step up a, an extra gear an he's extra looked level. unbelievable in he has season, this it? is yeah this is the thing he's looked very very good so again you get filled with hope about that is it going to be an anti-climax once again where you know things happen where he perhaps doesn't you know hit the hit you know, the level that he wants to, or is he really, really going to explode? And it'll really be interesting to see that. But but if he doesn't hit that level, mm-hmm. they've got more than enough to cover it anyway, haven't they? They've got more they've than got enough, so many options. They've got more than enough to cover it. And, you know, also he's, he signed that new deal. He's taken less money um, and they could, they could probably move him on as well. You know, Barcelona always find a way seemingly to, to move players on. So, I mean, beyond the front line, I think really the, the midfield looks after itself. I mean, that's where the young talent is. And I, I guess if you're a critic of Barcelona's current um, financial gymnastics, you would say, I could have just built around the young guys with a couple of experienced players and paid everyone what they were owed. It's, it's, but, what, but, it's what I would have done. It's exactly what I would have it's, done. It's, it's a different discussion, that, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the fact is that they are what they are. And the fact is that Pedri... Gavi will still get games and they should, you know, they'll, 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 they'll continue to be really important for them. And that is, of course, the main reason that they can afford to lose Frankie de Jong. I think there's a good argument that he's not in their best 11, excellent player as, as, as he is. Um, and then on top of that, you add Kessier, who will be 
I, I think, fantastic for them. I think a bit like when they brought in Rakitic, and of course Rakitic is a very different player to Kessier, but you need someone outside the Barcelona bubble, I think, to be a multitasker, yeah. to being a add a bit of realism. And I think that's what Kessier does very well. He's a great age. He had a terrific season uh, with Milan last season. I think the question is still over the defence. They've brought in Jules Koundé. If there's something that's going to kipper them in the La Liga race and in the back end of the Champions League, because I'm sure they go through the groups, it's going to be the defence. Because to me, it feels like Koundé and some bits and pieces. Yeah. Now, you talked about them going out and looking for fullbacks. If those fullbacks are, say, Aspilicueta and Marcus Alonso, obviously They've Alonso... they Anders Christensen, haven't they? Yeah, so. but, but I don't... I don't think that moves the needle. Yeah, okay. just he, like he, I don't, isn't, I don't, he isn't very good. It, it, okay. I don't think Christensen moves the needle. No. Eric Garcia hasn't been good enough. I was about to say he's another. He's, he's another Eric Garcia sign for me. He's like a young player that they've brought in that they think can you know they move forward with, but I just don't think he's it. Just because you bring back someone who's from the academy, it doesn't mean they're Gerard yeah. Piquet. Yeah, exactly. They're not all Piquet. In fact, yeah. no one's Piquet. Yeah, <laughs> Piquet is Piquet. <laughs> I, I think when you're looking at him coming back. That is an issue still. You know, they shouldn't be having to go back to... To to me, it feels like Kunde will be doing a sort of turbo Carlos Puyol cover all the bases kind of situation. Mm. Because you bring him in, he's a great defender, he's an intelligent footballer, um, he can play fullback as well, but he can't play them all at the same time. I think that's, that's the issue. I think there'll be dynamite to watch going forward. I think what does them is that defence, unless they do a lot to it. And I think Stegen's still going to be busy. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's somebody who they still don't really rate that highly as well. I think if they didn't have priorities in other areas, then Ter Stegen probably would have been gone by now and they've been looking at the goalkeeper. But this is what they're like. They're a little bit lopsided. I don't think there's been much... Just because Koundé has been brought in, as Andy says, it doesn't mean that's sorted the defence and that's that problem done and even if you know the two players come in from Chelsea as well that doesn't solve it either I just wouldn't have bothered with the Lewandowski signing I would have put all my energy signing Pau Torres from Virial and paired him with Jules Koundé move forward with them as your, your absolute mm. arc in defence yeah, having said that, when we talk of La Liga, should we really be talking about the top two or the top three because they've both got to look over their shoulders haven't they, Atletico I think it's really interesting because of Barcelona's financial issues it's been easy to miss for a lot of people that Atletico have been a bit hamstrung by the fact that they've been operating on the cap. Remember, there was a delay in them signing Axel Witzel on a free because they couldn't get him under the wage cap, which is extraordinary, yeah. really. And whether you think Axel Witzel is the future, a player who has been on the wane at Dortmund, and I personally feel that Özjan, who we were talking about before, will be a big upgrade on, on him, especially the way they play because they're very athletic. I think the, the, the different tempo that Atletico play at, that slightly more old-school Serie A tempo that they play at, will maybe give Witzel a, a bit more latitude and be a bit more forgiving on him. Maybe that'll work. Um, a freebie is a freebie, though. Well, it never really is, is it? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think I think they needed post Trippier. They needed Nahuel Molina mm-hmm. at, at right back, but they're, they're they're stuck in being able to do a lot of things because because of of, of some of the wages. So is that including the coach's wage, Simeone? Definitely. I mean, that, more than everybody else. That's that's always the case. I mean, the highest paid coach in the world, as you say, Don, at, at, at twenty four mil, but. Um, what they really need to do, if they need to reinforce further, David, they need to dump Morata and they need to find somewhere to put Saul as well because these are not small earners. Yeah, it's a strange situation. You've got all these players coming back from loan after they were initially told that they weren't wanted anymore. And that's always a weird situation to have, I think, you know, especially with Morata and Saul as well. Saul was a you know, at one point was going to be the next big star. I don't mean just that you either. He was going to be the next big star in world football. Um, and then I think as a result of Simeone's style, the shuffling that he has with his positions, that hindered him really progressing, I think. You know, seeing him play as this drop-in 
fullback on the left side was just bizarre and then he played on the right side sometimes and it was just strange and there was no consistency there for a very exciting player who I think is really really capable got a great skill set um, and yeah if it wasn't for Barcelona's situation I think all the headlines would have been about Aledi how they've had to beg steal and borrow this summer and they're in a really really bad position and it's going to be more Simeone miracle work and yes he's on 24 mil um, a season he's on that massive contract but I don't think anyone else could actually handle the job that he does. I don't think there is another coach. You know, I don't think it gets here, Pochettino in, and he'd be able to do and take them to the level that they are. The fact that they're still around top four, top three every season, the fact that they're still a problem for people in the Champions League is down to Simeone. Do you think they can push for the title? or Because I, I think they're a bit short for that. Absolutely not. I think it's going to be between Real Madrid and Barcelona. I don't see... I think, I think all the others have dropped off, to be honest with you. Mm. I think, you know, I think usually... You feel like oh that the top two have maybe not done something or they've lost someone, so then it gives another the chance for other teams to to step up a little. A Villarreal, a Sevilla, Atleti, but they've all I, I'd argue they've all dropped off in somewhat. Well, Sevilla are playing catch up a bit, aren't they? Because they were waiting for the Kunde money to get their transfer yeah. window going. So I would imagine Sevilla like first month of the season we're not going to see them at their best I think it will take probably till the start of the Champions League for that team to really start settling well. there's a lot of tension there already I think I don't think anyone really wanted Lopetegui to stay players fans but he's managed to stay around because quite frankly I don't think Sevilla had the financial um, financials to, to bring somebody else in to, to do something else um, to let Lopetegui go um, so they're just kind of Heads are, heads are barely just above water right now and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was one of the first coaches to go maybe within the first one, two months of the season um, I think they're a club that perhaps need a, a refresh as well in a way severe I think they need to kind of move on um, I, I'd really I mean, I'm desperate to see him in Europe I'd love to see them go for Marcelo Gallardo from River Plate and Bremen and despite what you say now that we've talked about the top three in La Liga should we talk perhaps about any other contenders this is a uh, message on Instagram from Mark what teams stick out as this year's surprise packages in their league so I'm presuming he's talking about right across the continent which teams stick out as surprise packages I don't know where you want to start should we pick up on La Liga first of all yeah um, I'm going to go with Athletic Bilbao the man Ernesto Valverde is back after a you know a long protracted presidential elections there um, some were saying they were going to bring Bielsa back some were saying they were going to get Valverde there was even someone saying they were going to bring Marcelino back even though he left because of all this wrangling um, I think Ernesto Valverde is a fantastic coach phenomenally underrated um, and I think he'll just always gets that extra out of uh, a team doesn't matter the quality of the squad he always gets that extra um, you know, he. I've seen him job do jobs where he puts fires out. I've seen him jobs where he's a safe hands, and I've seen him do jobs where he takes clubs forward. And I think Athletic will will do really well. Good young squad, some exciting players there, some vets as well. And um, yeah, I think they'll be pushing for for Champions League this season, which is you know a, a big improvement for them over the last few years. What about in any of the other leagues? Italy, for example, Serie A, can you think of anybody who's a surprise package there coming through? Well, I, I, I don't know if it's surprise. I, I, what I think is interesting is quite a few people have said to me they fancy Roma for a pop for the title, which would be an incredible addition to the Mourinho story. Of course. After, after he was totally written off after, after Tottenham. Decent first year, I think. And now you look at the moves they've made in the transfer market. Vinaldum's on his way. Dybala's already arrived. And what a reception that was for him in Rome. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, it sent shivers down your spine. What happened? I think, um, well, well, he was, he was in the, in the center of Rome in front of tens of thousands of people serenading him with, with, with the anthem. Oh, it was astonishing. It was it was, it was like an entrance for a wrestler at WrestleMania. <laughs> he just came out of this <laughs> this arch sort of thing to yes. all the beer masses. It was it was it was it was incredible. It was it was beautiful, and yeah. I think he's a he's a great fit with Tammy Abraham. I think that will make them interesting. They got the player they needed in the Matic to anchor in front of the defense. We talked about that a few times. What key position that is? Um, they've got Zeki Celik. Few more could be on the on the on the way. Um, I think they look good, and I don't think there is a massively outstanding title candidate 
in Italy this season. As impressive as the work that Pioli's done at, at Milan, and even though Lukaku's gone back to Inter, I don't fancy Juventus at all this season. I just wonder if there is a little opportunity for, for Roma. For me, I still find it a bit of a leap to see them winning the league. But if they could be a challenger, that, that would be... That would be something really, really interesting. Time to ask you both to put forward a game of the week for us to peruse. Uh, where, where are you going with that? Oh, I'm, I'm going to Germany. We, we, we were wetting the appetite uh, about Dortmund earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing the tea time game on Saturday against Leverkusen. Uh, fastest ever Bundesliga goal was scored in an opening game fixture um, in this. I, I think it was eight seconds. Um, that, um, and that's the fastest. Karen Bellarabi. It, <laughs> it was bloody quick. Uh, certainly on an opening day uh, where Dortmund had all these great new plans for the season and then they, they were a goal down in less than 10 seconds. Um, Shocking. And any, anyway, um, Dortmund obviously feeling relatively confident. Um, be interesting to see if uh, Yusufa Makoko, the 17-year-old, gets gets his nod at centre-forward um, in, in that gap created by um, Sebastian Allaire as, as things stand. And then Leverkusen had an ambitious summer window as well, uh, brought in Adam Losek as, as well, um, who I think will do really well, very promising striker who I think will do well for them. Scored on his debut, in which, unfortunately, they lost a seven-goal thriller to third-tier Elversburg who have not lost in 2022. It's quite a story. They've just been promoted from the fourth tier. But nevertheless, Leverkusen, a lot of hopes, get knocked out in, in, the, in the DFB Pokal in the first round. And that is the brilliant thing about the chronology of the German football season, is that the first round of the cup is before the first league game. So basically, you can get put on your ass by a minnow before you have even start your league campaign, which I, 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 th- I think is brilliant. Hertha Berlin went out as well to Eintracht Braunschweig. Now, for this, um, it's Dortmund. So you've got to have Currywurst involved. You know, is the place for, 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 for Currywurst. David shaking his head. I love that. Look, I'm going to throw you a bone as well. Look, just for you. I'd rather have the bone. <laughs> <laughs> just for, just for you, we're going to bake our own pretzels as well, right, okay. with a little bit of a cinnamon flourish. Oh. I should have mentioned that when we ask our guest uh, to nominate a game of the week, we do ask for a food pairing with it as well. Can we start with your food pairing? You want to start off? Yeah, food can pairing? we start off? Oh. And then we can kind of just to put us in the right moods Jeez. to enjoy your game of the week. That's how good my food pairings are. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go for a. This is, this is going to give away where I'm going as well. So a Côte de Bœuf. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's forget this cost of living crisis eh, and yeah. just get a Côte de Bœuf in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to have that uh, with a nice glass of red, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Obligatory, sure. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, yeah from yeah. you know from the Bordeaux region, but we're yeah. not going to Bordeaux. Uh, we're going, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going there. We're uh, we're going to uh, Marseille versus Rams. Okay. And I just want to see how this madhouse at Marseille uh, unfolds on the pitch. Because I think the fact that it's uh, their first game is at home as well with their, their interesting supporters. They're, no, they're, they're incredible fans. That atmosphere in the velodrome is going to be really, really interesting to see how they uh, take on board the, the past few weeks, even the past few days, given this crisis talks. So that's going to be, you know, I want to see how it plays out. I want to see if there's, you know, how... Tudor gets his instructions across how the players react to him um, and it'll also be interesting I think I think he looks a really talented player who's just signed for Rems in the past few days is uh, Balogun from Arsenal I know they rated him really really high there and uh, he's just nipped there The Marseille fans are they still giving a hard time to the opposition as oh. they did last season? Always, always. <laughs> just checking, just checking. Because it didn't look good to take a corner in Marseille last season. It, it, it never does. I, I, I think uh, seeing how Igor Tudor gets on, just if I had any advice to him, save her any second because you might not have that many home games. <laughs> This was a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.